Four Gospels, one Jesus. Each Gospel focuses on a different aspect of Christ. And uh, we've been kind of walking through those. Matthew uh, presents Jesus as king. So when you get to the Gospel of Matthew, you have the story um, of the Magi. When we get to the story of Mark, as we talked about last week, he presents Jesus Christ as a servant. He presents Jesus Christ as, a, as one who sacrifices, one who served. Well, no one, no one really cares about when a servant was born. All you care about is whether or not a servant served. So when we get to the Gospel of Mark, we don't have any account of uh, the life of uh, Jesus Christ and, and, and his birth. Oh, there we go. Uh, yeah, another five minutes of visiting. No, uh, so, and you take it too. You take every minute of it. That's awesome. So when we get to Mark, we have that. We don't have the account of the birth of Christ. This morning we're going to look at the Gospel of Luke. And uh, Luke, we do have the birth of Christ, and next, next, month, uh, next week we'll look at John. Uh, Luke is an interesting gospel, okay? So let me give you some background. Let me give you some things that you may or may not know. Luke was a Greek. Uh, Luke was a physician. So therefore, the book of Luke is uh, really, really interesting from a perspective of physical. You have a lot of physical things that are talked about in Luke that aren't talked about in the other gospel. The Greeks were obsessed with the perfect man. Um, the Greek culture really pursued, uh, that's why you have all the Greek philosophy, because they are obsessed with, with the way the mind thinks. Um, that's why you have uh, the Olympics, because it came out of a Greek culture, because they were obsessed with what does the perfect athlete look like? What does the perfect human form look like? That's why you have the sculptures that you have, because uh, they were obsessed with arts at its highest level. And so when we get to the Gospel of Luke, one of the things that Luke does is Luke, therefore, being a physician, talks about Jesus Christ as the perfect man, the, the, the son of man, the perfect man. And so there's a lot of things in there that, that, are, that are oriented that way. Uh, here's something you probably aren't aware of. If I were to ask you who wrote most of your New Testament, what would your answer be? Paul, and you would be wrong, okay? Paul wrote 13 of the books of the New Testament, uh, a little over 2,000 verses. Luke wrote two books, Luke and Acts, a little over 2,100 verses. There are actually more verses written by Luke than there are Paul. And we don't pay much attention to it because it's like two ver books versus 13. <clears throat> but a lot of your New Testament, a lot of those stories in Luke and Acts written by, by uh, Luke, what you don't understand, and a lot of times you don't know, is that the language is at such a high level. It's kind of, a, it's kind of like a, a doctorate course in Greek, in, in the way that he says things and lays things out and talks about things. Uh, in the gospel, there's a lot of unique things uh, in the gospel of Luke. Uh, for instance, uh, there are seven prayers in, about Jesus Christ mentioned in the gospel of Luke really showing you the heartbeat, the internal kind of thinking of Jesus. Um, six of the miracles are unique to Luke, uh, and most of them are medical-oriented. Uh, let's see, the, 
the woman with the issue of blood, the man with droopsy, the ten lepers, Malchus's ear that gets chopped off of the Garden of Gethsemane, that's, that's in Luke. Uh, Nineteen parables are unique to Luke. Uh, he really presents um, this idea of Jesus as the perfect son of man. So therefore, when we have uh, his birth, Luke takes Jesus all the way back to Adam um, in the genealogy. Why? Because he's trying to present the perfect man, the full man, all the way through. I think there are two stories in Luke that really help us cement this idea of the Christmas story and really cement the idea of Jesus as Luke wants us to see him. Okay? The first is the one you're familiar with, Luke chapter 2. Uh, it is the Christmas story. <clears throat> and here's what it says. Um, there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Now, uh, most likely, these were what we call Pascal shepherds, and here's what that meant. They were the ones who were responsible to take care of sheep that were going to be slaughtered at Passover. Because those sheep were very special, those sheep were separate, those sheep had, had a whole set of regulations about them. So a lot of people believe in this Bethlehem area, five miles outside of Jerusalem, in this area, that's an area that was known for taking care of those Pascal kind of sheep. Uh, so anyway, I don't know if that's true or not. If it is, it makes a really cool story that the Lamb of God, who's going to take away the sin of the world, who's going to be slain at Passover, is the first message comes to these shepherds who are taking care of Pascal lamb. So anyway, but going on, it says, um, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord showed round about them, and they were terrified. Now think about this for a minute. You're a shepherd, you're doing your shepherd thing, you're taking care of the sheep, you're going through your nightly routine, you're all of a sudden, an angel comes before you in the night. It's dark. All of a sudden, there's an angel standing in front of you. Needless to say, you are terrified because normally when you see angels, you died. And so they are thinking it's over. And notice what it says. And by the way, they're told this a number of times in this passage. Do not be afraid. Okay? The first thing he says is, all right, chill out. It's okay. You're not going to die. All right? We're good here. I bring you good news of great joy that shall be for all people today. In the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign unto you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. So they basically says, look, big deal. Okay, and I want you to think about this for a minute because uh, we're going to talk about this, but, you know, oh, oh, I forgot to say this. Yeah, oh, we had a grandson this week. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Welcome to my world. Yeah. And you want to get upset because I forget you in the directory. Really? Um, yeah. Alden, Alden, Timothy, Tom, uh, Alden, Alden. Fred. Fred was born this week. No. Um, Alden, Alden, Timothy Thomas. Alden is actually an, an, an a, uh, uh, old English word. Actually, it was a common name in Middle English. Uh, it means old friend. And then um, Timothy uh, has two ideas. First of all, the Timothy is the, the idea of gift of God. But the other issue is uh, when my son was in Afghanistan, uh, he lost a dear friend over there, and uh, his name was Timothy. 
and so there's kind of a tie both ways to it. But anyway, uh, yeah, so eight pounds, nine ounces, 21 inches long, right? Good. Uh, anyway, so, uh, but, yes, yeah, since we had a kid this week, um, um, since we had a grandson this week, the first grandson, second's on the way. Uh, so, but, uh, you know, one of the big issues when you have somebody is making sure everybody knows before you put it on Facebook, okay? So there's a big issue of, you know, who do you tell first and second and third and who gets told and all that before you make it public. That's a big deal, okay? <clears throat> you ever thought about this for a second? Who's God going to tell first? I mean, if you're God and you go, okay, I'm going to come to the world, wrap myself in human flesh, I'm going to be born among them. <coughs> I want the whole world to know who I'm going to tell first. And God picks shepherds. Social, probably for the most part, socially outcast for the day because they couldn't keep all the regulations and stuff like that. Um, so, why you know why shepherds? I think, I think it's fascinating that he chooses shepherds first. And the angel comes to him and says, "Hey, look, unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. There'll be a sign. You'll find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger." And notice what happens next. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angels. So now, it's not enough that it's the middle of the night and there's one angel standing there. Now there's like a gazillion. The whole sky lights up. Praising God and saying. Now, uh, let me give you a little bit of insight here. Um, in the temple, when uh, the sacrifices were made, there was a blast of three trumpets. So in the Jewish world, when, when a sacrifice was made, they would blast the trumpet three times um, for, that, for that sacrifice. The way Luke wrote this, there are three very distinct participles laid out here. And, and a lot of Bible scholars think that what he is in essence saying is the same thing that would have happened at the temple with the three trumpets. And they say three things. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace to men. And the NIV says whom his favor rests, we would, and the King James says, goodwill toward men. So it's the idea of glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. So a lot of scholars see this as kind of the three trumpet blasts that would announce, if you will, a, a big deal of sacrifice. Um, and it says, when the angels left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing has happened, which the Lord has told us. So they, they, they run to Bethlehem, <clears throat> they start walking around Bethlehem, and they go, hey, look, has anybody heard about a baby being born? Bethlehem was a small town. So it's kind of like everybody probably had some idea, or people had some idea. I don't know. You know, somebody said something about, you know, a pregnant lady looking for some place to stay. I think they headed over to the innkeeper's place. Check out over there. So all of a sudden, they come, and it says they hurried off. They found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. So the shepherds start looking at Joseph and Mary and whoever else is there and start telling them the story. You're not going to believe this, man. We were like standing. I was taking care of the shepherd. I mean, I was feeding, the, you know, the sheep. It was just eating there. And I went over to get this one. And all of a sudden, this angel came out of nowhere. And I was scared to death. And the angel told me not that, that I'm going to actually, we're actually going to go and find. And the other shepherd jumps in and goes, oh, wait a minute, you forgot about the part about all of the angels, you know? Because then, as we were talking to the angel, and the whole angelic chorus started singing. It was like all of heaven. I mean, the sky opened up. You just can't believe it. 
And they're starting to tell the story. And notice what it says. But Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. So as I'm guessing they're telling the story and other people are talking about it, and people are going, tell us, hey, did the angels have wings? You know, did they like have a halo? And tell me what the angel looked like. Oh, no, no, you, you know, you don't see it. It was just the whole thing. And they're trying to, and Mary's just kind of sitting back listening to this. Knowing that this is not an ordinary child. Her and Joseph knew that, but now they're hearing it from people they've never met. Now they're hearing it from, they're hearing this incredible story about an angel and angels and singing and, and all of these things about this child and why do these people show up? And it goes, she pondered him in her heart and the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, just as they've been told. Now the shepherds then go back to their job and whatever it was they were doing, they start interacting with people and they go, I gotta tell you what happened the other night. You are not gonna believe this. And next thing you know, the story starts being told. <clears throat> it lays the groundwork, I think, for Christmas for us. Part of it is when these people encounter Jesus, they're never the same. And they go back, and what do they start doing? They start sharing what they have experienced. You know what the challenge for us for Christmas is? Share what you've experienced. Tell the story. Jesus Christ has changed your life. Tell people that. Tell people what you've seen. Tell people what you've experienced. Tell people what you know. Tell people what God has done in your life. And we're in this culture where all of a sudden we feel like, we, we, we feel like, oh, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to offend them. They don't worry about offending you. Offend them. Tell the story. Tell the story. And here's what you're going to probably find. They're not going to be as offended as you think. Satan's just convinced you of that. Tell the story. And these guys go about and they start, these shepherds start telling the story. <clears throat> I think that's one of the things that Luke really starts this whole gospel out by saying, look, this is what happened. Jesus changed lives from the very beginning. And then we get into what I believe is, the, and what a lot of people believe is the pivotal story in the book of Luke. It's the story of Zacchaeus. Luke chapter 19, here's what it says. Jesus, now this is 30 years have passed, 30 some odd years have passed since, 30, 32, 33 years have passed since this story of, of his birth. Jesus entered Jericho, he's passing through a man by, by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, he was wealthy. In that culture, um, there were three levels of tax collectors, like the grand top guy, and then there's the middle guy, and, there were, and then there's like the low guy. Um, the low guy was Matthew. Matthew was one of the lower level tax collectors. Zacchaeus is one of the middle guys. Um, Zacchaeus had people that worked underneath him, and so Zacchaeus, uh, he, he made money. These guys got to cheat people a whole lot more than the bottom guys, all right? So th these guys were hated. You need to know. They were hated at a level you and I can't understand. <clears throat> um, they were actually, uh, tax collectors were not allowed in the synagogue, in the Jewish synagogue. Clearly, there was somebody, I mean, the idea would be, I'd, we were standing at the door when you walked into it and say, uh, what's your job? You looked at me and go, well, I'm a farmer. Okay, you can come in. Uh, well, you know, um, I, I work at a doctor's office. Okay, you can come in. Don Dukes comes in the door. Uh, I, I work for the IRS. You need to leave. 
Right? Seriously. Seriously. If, if they were a tax collector, they were not allowed in the synagogue. Um, they were not allowed to testify in court because they were considered unworthy or liars. So you couldn't even have them testify in court on your behalf. Um, in fact, the Talmud actually taught the Jewish... I mean, you know how Jews are about doing the right thing and, you know, the law and everything else? They actually, the Talmud actually said it was okay to lie if you were lying to a tax collector. You're not allowed to lie, but if it's a, if it's a tax collector, you're, it's okay to lie to him. Just lie away. That's literally what the Jewish people were taught. Okay? That's how hated these people were. And so Jesus and Zacchaeus, that's what he is, he wanted to see Jesus... And I love this, because he was short, so those of you who are vertically challenged, you got to, here you go, here's your guy. Um, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, so Jesus was coming that way. So it goes on, uh, and it says, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. You know this story, you know the song. Uh, <clears throat> so here's the deal. And this is what I think is fascinating. I, I don't think people in trees were an odd thing when Jesus was walking because everybody was so fascinated with him. But this isn't just a guy in a tree. This is a guy in a tree, and Jesus knows his name. And Jesus says, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So in other words, I mean, you want to talk about being forward. You know, can you imagine me going, um, you know, hey, Kurt, glad to have you today. Uh, I'm, I'm coming over for lunch. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, you know, oh, and I'm bringing my family, you know. I mean, Jesus looks at him and goes, hey, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today, and, I'm, and with him, the disciples, you know, he's just now had to, but again, he's wealthy, he's got the money, he just has somebody make more stuff. So he came down at once, he welcomed him gladly. Now notice what happens. All the people saw this and began to mutter. He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. What is he doing? Doesn't he know we don't talk to those people. We don't associate with those people. We definitely don't eat with those people. And we as sure in the world don't go to their house to, for dinner. He, does he have any clue what he's doing? You're a rabbi. You're a, you're, a, you're a teacher of the law. We're following you. What do you think you're doing going to the house of somebody who's a tax collector, a publican? I mean, we don't, Jesus, come here, Jesus, look, we don't deal with those people. We don't associate with those people. Those are marginalized people. We don't want anything to do with those people, Jesus. So let's go somewhere else for lunch. Zacchaeus stood up. So at this point, we're getting the idea that they're at dinner. Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord. Here and now, I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. And now he looks at him and goes, look, I want you to know I'm serious about following you. He didn't do this to be saved. He did this because he was saved. He did this because he had followed Christ. And his natural reaction was, you know what? It's not about me anymore. If I can help other people, I'm going to go help other people. And you know what? If I cheated people, you know what? I'm not just going to pay them back. I'm going to pay them back four times, which was the way that the uh, law taught. Okay? Then notice what he goes on to say. Jesus said unto him, Today, salvation has come to this house. 
And this was a turning point in the life of Jesus. Because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. He is one of us. Let me tell you something. If you don't think that rocked the boat, when Jesus looks at the worst of the worst in their culture and says, he's one of us. And he's welcome into our family. And he's welcome to be one of us. Because he goes on to say this, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. My whole purpose for being here is for people like this. The whole thing's about people like this. The whole thing is about anybody who wants to come is welcome, including people like that. It's not about who you think should be in. It's not about who checks all your boxes. It's about the fact that I offer salvation to everyone. That's why I am here, and he wants to follow us, and he's in. He's just like you. And let me tell you something. This was revolutionary to them. When Luke starts talking about the perfect man and Jesus as the son of man, one of the things that he does is he highlights this story. And it really does become a turning point in the life of Christ. And I think you see twofold ideas. You see the idea of, of, of service, uh, of, of, of worship in, in Luke chapter 2 and telling the story. And you see in Luke chapter 19 the idea of the story is for everyone. And it's our job to share that story. And to be very careful about going, uh, you know, I don't know if we want to try to reach those people or help those people or, you know, they're so different. And, they, you know, you know, and they, they, time out. The Son of Man came to seek and save that which is lost. So two, two things as we, as we head out um, this week. Here's the first one. First idea is this. Um, tell the story. Tell the story. Um, it's Christmas. People are actually open to the idea of the word Jesus. Um, people are actually open to hearing the idea that, look, there's a lot of people that are going to get up to, they're going to, between now and Sunday, are going to try to decide where they go to church. Invite them. There's a lot of people who are going to go, you know what, uh, my, family, my family's coming in to, Nothing against 30-year-olds, but here's what I see a lot of. I hear 30-year-olds are like, you know, my parents brought me up in church like my whole life, and now they're going to visit, and i got to find a church to take them to so that they know that I'm doing okay um, kind of thing. Invite them, you know, invite them. And when they come in here, act like we've known them forever. I mean, you know, I mean, really, because it's just one of those things where it's like, you know what, it's an opportunity to be able to, to share Christ. It's an opportunity for us to be able to share our story. You go, well, I'm afraid I'll get it all wrong. You won't get it all wrong. You just tell them what God's done in your life. That's all you got to do. You won't, you won't get that wrong, you know. You know the difference that Christ has made in your life. Tell them. Share that with them. Share that with your kids or your grandkids. You go, well, you know, my kid, you know, I just don't talk about that stuff. Talk about it. Talk about it. Because you know what? If you don't talk about it, where else are they going to hear it? That's our job, just like the shepherds. What if the shepherds would have said, okay, guys, you know what? Let's just share this among ourselves because this is like our cool thing. And we're just not going to tell anybody about this. It was so overwhelming, they couldn't help but tell anybody about it. If, you've, if you talk to me at all, if you spend any time with me at all, you tell me what's something that you're going to hear me talk about at some point. 
Huh? Glass. You're exactly right. That's exactly right. You're like, glass? Really? You don't know me then. Ah, uh, that's the whole point. Uh, but I mean, you know, at some point I'm going to say, why? Because I love it. I, it's something that just naturally comes into conversation. I think there's about to tie anything to it. Same with Jesus. You can just about tie anything to it. When it's real, when it's close, when it's personal. And, and I just want to challenge you. Just like the shepherds, tell the story. And the second thing is this. <laughs> Be the hands and feet of Jesus. Open your eyes to people who are in need. That's the thing that hit me this week. I mean, it really did. It kind of hit me pretty hard this week when I'm realizing grown men want T-shirts for Christmas. I, really? I mean, they're going, this would make my Christmas. Is if somebody gave me a package of brand new T-shirts. Or somebody gave me socks. Or somebody gave me a bag of sugar-free candy. That's like the greatest Christmas. That'd be, that'd be awesome for me this Christmas. And I'm looking at it going, really? Wow. Wow. You know? Wow. And I have the opportunity to go spend a little money and go, I love you here. Have a great Christmas. Here's not one bag of candy. You're like 10 is what you want to do. Provide the candy the whole year. I mean, you know, because it's like, you know, it's a, you go, well, you know, they got there, you know, cause bad choices and blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, I know all of that too. Just like I know how the Jews talked about the tax collectors because they pushed them and marginalized them and shoved them off in a corner and said they're not worthy of having what we have. We have the opportunity, and, and, and this is just one organization. There's all kinds of places. We have people out here who do stuff for the warming shelter, who do stuff for the gospel mission, who do stuff for all kinds. There's all kinds of organizations out there like that. But we shelter ourselves sometimes, and we forget the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. We need to be a light in the dark world, and we have an opportunity. When we have the opportunity, you, believe it or not, some of you are working shoulder to shoulder with people this week who aren't going to have much of a Christmas, but they won't say anything. But you know, and you have the opportunity to do something. And I'm a big fan of doing stuff privately. I'm a big fan of finding a way to put it in their locker, put it in their car, or just shove a gift certificate, somehow get a gift certificate to them for, or a gift card to them. I'm a big fan of that kind of stuff. Because I don't think that I don't think that we have to all of us all the time get get credit for stuff like that. Let God use it. And I just want to challenge you because one of the things that you see about Luke, when he really talks about Jesus as the perfect man, one of the things that he emphasizes is the fact that it wasn't about him. He came to seek and save the lost. Tell the story this week. Tell the story. So I end with this for each of us. Luke reminds us that Jesus is the perfect man. He focuses on the human side of Jesus as God, but it reminds us that Jesus is deserving of our worship. We need to share Christ with those around us. Just as Jesus seeks the lost, we've got to open our eyes to the needs of lost people around us as well. Share the story of Jesus with somebody this week. Let's pray. Lord, help us. We've been given much. And Lord, 
because of that, we really do need to do more. So this week, Lord, as we have opportunity, whether it be to give a Christmas basket, whether it be to uh, help at, uh, at a shelter or at, uh, have an impact at, at Hope Street or, Lord, at the, at the gospel mission, Lord, wherever, Lord, open our eyes to the needs of those around us. And may we reach out, Lord, this week. May we be your hands. May we be your feet. May we be your light in a world that desperately needs to see you and uh, use us. When it is all said and done, Lord, we gather together someday in your kingdom having no idea the impact that our small efforts made for all that you want to do in your kingdom. So use us, these things we ask in your name. Amen. Um, let's